Hello everyone and welcome to Fast Charge, episode 90. So many. Uh, I'm joined this week by Toddy and Lewis, uh, the usual Hello. trio for you. Uh, this has been a funny week in a way. There has been one enormous announcement, which of course came mere minutes <laughs> after last week's episode. Uh, and then since oh, then, boy. silence in the tech world. Uh, as everyone is basically simultaneously recovering from all of the launches in October and bracing themselves for Black Friday and Christmas. Um, so we are, of course, going to start by talking about Facebook and Meta and the Metaverse and all of that horror show. Uh, we are then going to turn to the Galaxy S21 FE, uh, which hasn't been announced or anything, but there's been a spate of new leaks this week, including some really weird ones. Uh, and we think we have a much better idea of when this phone is finally coming, which has knock-on effects in terms of what we think about the S22 series as well. So it felt like this was a good excuse to run through everything we think we know about the S21 FE as it stands. And then finally, we are going to turn to Netflix. Uh, we spoke about Netflix's gaming hopes a few months ago on the podcast. And finally, 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 they're actually happening. Uh, as of now, this week, if you are using Netflix on an Android device, you can use it to play games, which still feels a bit weird to me. Uh, but yeah, it's there. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the games that they have so far and what that signals for Netflix's actual plans here and what we can expect in the future. Before all that, let's go through some other little bits and pieces from the week, because there were other announcements, just lots of little small things and teasers and rumours and that sort of thing. Uh, so first up is one I actually have right here for anyone watching the show. This is a little OnePlus teaser that arrived at my house, I'll admit, together with some cupcakes I haven't touched yet. Um, OnePlus has teased that it is releasing a new limited edition. We don't know what, a limited edition something. It just says, a new OnePlus limited edition coming soon. Uh, the big hint on here is some rather pixelated fruit. So if you can figure out from pixelated fruit what this might be, <laughs> then uh, let us know in the comments. I'll be impressed if anyone can get a like really solid grasp of what this is going to be. Pixelated suggests games. They've done some gaming collaborations in the past. Uh, the Cyberpunk phone was a cool one, obviously. Um, I don't know what else this is going to be, or that I do know, but I'm actually not allowed to tell you. But uh, <laughs> we are going to find out sometime soon, hopefully. And if OnePlus want to send me some more cakes along the way, I won't be complaining. Uh, second up, you have the chance right now to own a kind of weird piece of phone history. Uh, if you want to head to eBay right now, you could bid on what may well be the world's first USB-C iPhone. I say that. You could earlier. The listing has gone down because I just clicked on it to check the price Ooh. and it's disappeared. So maybe Apple has intervened. So as of earlier today, you could have bidded on the world's first USB-C iPhone. Oh. Uh, a Swiss robotics student called Ken Pillanel uh, basically modded an iPhone X to put a USB-C port inside, a functioning USB-C port. Um, he showed this off a few weeks ago. And then this week, he actually put it on eBay for bids. When I looked this morning, about five hours ago, it had gone up to $80,000. It's currently at 85550 Ah, can you still see it? Yeah, my I've got it up on screen uh, for everyone to see. So we can funny. have a Maybe I've just broken my own link. Just refreshed it too much. <laughs> um, 
85,000. So it's still climbing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, there it is. I had Mad. just broken my own link in my notes. Well done, <laughs> me. Smart professional tech journalist at work. Cannot do a URL. Uh, yeah, so if you want to buy a functioning USB-C iPhone, you can. It is only a 64 gigabyte iPhone 10, uh, which probably means this is also the world's most expensive <laughs> 64 gigabyte iPhone 10. Because if someone tries to sell you one of those for 85 grand, you are being ripped off. Um, but yeah, this is pretty cool. I'm uh, quite intrigued. You, if you actually go on this guy's channel, he also explains how he did this, the technical side of it, and he's given some open source plans on how you could do it to an iPhone as well. And he said he's looking at doing doing the same thing to some AirPods, do a USB-C AirPods oh, cool. case, uh, fun stuff like that. So super interesting uh, if you want to oh. get into the nitty gritty of how these ports work. I am wondering whether the uh, companies like Caviar, who usually do those like solid, like gold-plated iPhones, mm. would get in on this action if they would like hire him say, or yeah. take those open source in. plans. And I could totally see them maybe like offering like you know, especially with how much this one has gone totally. for. There will be some hideously rich millionaires and billionaires out there willing to pay uh, extortionate amounts of money just to have that minor convenience oh, yeah. of a USB-C port. Uh, because I would pay a little bit of money for that and, you know, scale that up to a billionaire and, yeah, sure, they'll drop crazy money just uh, so they don't have to carry a lightning cable around. Uh, okay, next up, Realme is going to launch a flagship. This is a flagship flagship as opposed to the sort of flagships they've done so far. Um, this comes straight from Realme's president who has basically said that early next year the company <clears throat> is going to launch a phone that costs in the region of 5,000 Chinese won, which is about $800 if you convert. So that is a real flagship price, as opposed to, say, the Realme GT, which is in that OnePlus style flagship killer, sort of a mid-range phone, really, price range. Um, this looks like Realme are now building up to an actual flagship, something in that iPhone Galaxy S series price range, which will be really interesting to see if that turns up next year. Uh, what else we got? Do you remember Royal, the uh, flexible display company that managed to grab a load of attention by being the first to show off a working folding phone a few years ago? Well, working... Uh, and... <laughs> it, it worked. It just didn't work well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then somehow got linked with, I don't know... What, the, oh, the, the Pablo Escobar the, phone. Cousin, Pablo yeah, Escobar? Yeah, the Pablo Escobar yeah. phone. Um, and it was, was really a royal in disguise. Anyway, uh, Evan Blass has leaked a photo, what looks to be a legit render of what he says is the FlexPi 3. So they are still going at these. I've got to be honest, I'm not sure why anymore. I understood the first one as a concept device to sell their display yeah. tech to other companies yeah. that would then go and make these phones. And just to prove, hey, look, this works. You can put it in a phone. It's cool. You know, Samsung, come chat to us. Uh, I don't know why they're on a third gen of a phone that presumably no one's actually buying, unless that Escobar money is real good. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this is another foldable FlexPi phone. Uh, it, it Interestingly, it looks like it still follows the model they used on their first gen and that Huawei used, but since moved away from, which is that outward fold, where the screen is always on the outside and, and then folds round. Uh, so it looks like it still has that. The other interesting thing, the other interesting thing is that there's a pop-up camera as opposed to an on-display, which um, I like the pop-up cameras, and I think under-display cameras are so far not super impressive, but it's got to be said, it, it feels a little um, backwards in the year of our Lord 2021 to be throwing a pop-up camera in a phone. <laughs> also, those bezels are hefty. Uh, yeah, it's still got some dis sort of design challenges, I would say. 
compared to the actual phones being put out by the likes of Samsung and Huawei. But yeah, I, I don't even know if this will go on sale, to what extent it will go on sale, how many people they think are going to buy it. Um, the whole thing confuses me a little bit, I'll be honest. Uh, what else? Finally, yeah, last one. Um, the Asus ROG Phone 5S and 5S Pro. Uh, you're not going mad if you think you've heard of those before because they were announced in August. Uh, but now, finally, at the beginning of November, they have been announced for a European and UK launch. Um, I haven't actually seen anything about the States, so I'm not There's sure if they're about the States, the States as well, but no. I don't think so. Um, I'll be honest, I'm a little annoyed by the timing here, because literally this week is when I took those phones out of our phones coming to the UK soon <laughs> article, because I thought, well, at this point, there's no chance. Just write it off. Definitely not. Uh, there we are. Asus was clearly watching, now, waiting quick, quick. to break me, and uh, <laughs> yeah. then they jumped on it. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, these are these are basically updated versions of the ROG Phone 5 that have the Snapdragon 888 Plus chipset instead of the 8888, uh, and the Pro model now goes up to 18 gigabytes of RAM, uh, if if you care. Otherwise, these are basically the same phones as as the original 5 and 5 Pro. Yeah. Um, Does it have the fun back display? Yeah, the, the, one the Pro had. one has the uh, yeah. the full AMOLED display, and the regular nice. 5S has the uh, just the like light up bit. Yeah, the, the dot the, matrix. Like, yeah, kind yeah. of dot matrix. Yeah. Thank you. I quite like that. It's cool. Mm. I think I kind of preferred that to the full AMOLED panel actually. Mm. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So if you actually want one of those, you can actually buy them. I'm I'm still really surprised this is this is coming, but I guess it kind of makes sense because it's still going to be another probably five or six months before we see the ROG Phone 6 uh, in all likelihood. And, and maybe this is them realising that, that it's going to take them a long time to get the 6 out, especially mid-chip shortages, and maybe this just worked. Mm. And to be honest, I'm not aware of that many other phones that have used the 888 Plus. So I can't think they have that much competition on that particular piece of silicon. No, I think we have... We have a review of the Red Magic 6S Pro, which I yep. think yeah. runs that, on that. And then we reported on the Honor Magic 3 series, which I think they have that as well. Oh, yeah. I think right? the Pro Plus, the top, the top spec yeah. Magic 3 might use it. They're the yeah. only ones that spring to mind that are like out there in the wild now that have that chip. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, not very many. I'm sure there are a couple other gaming phones that have done it that we've just missed. You probably. Know, I'm sure there's a yeah. Black Shark with That's it. Say, yeah. Yeah. It's probably. It's got to be. No doubt. <laughs> Almost certainly. <laughs> uh, anyway, right, let's move on to the main bit of the show. So first up, Meta and Metaverse. Uh, Facebook held a big Facebook Connect event last Thursday night, or daytime for them, uh, right after we recorded Fast Charge. Thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate it, Zuck. Um, this was so you got Mark Zuckerberg and you got Asus just staring at your content going, like, wait, wait, okay, now. <laughs> We're going to have words. Um, th this was sort of both was and wasn't expected, a lot of what happened here. We knew Facebook was going to rebrand because they'd made the odd move of announcing the rebrand or announcing plans to rebrand before they actually announced what the brand would be. So we knew it was coming. Uh, and we also knew they were going to, you know, they would they tease this metaverse concept they were building to. So it shouldn't have been too much of a shock that Facebook rebranded as Meta on the day. Um, to clarify, the social network Facebook is still Facebook. That is not Meta. But the company that runs the social network Facebook is now Meta. Um, what's odd about this is this feels a bit like, at first it felt like when Google renamed its parent company to Alphabet. Yep. And everyone ignored it. 
yeah. because all the branding publicly is still Google. And that kind of made sense. It's just the company that owns all of Google is Alphabet and all the sub bits are various Google, Googly things. Um, what's confusing here is that Facebook has changed the parent company to Meta, but Facebook is still Facebook, but Oculus is becoming Meta and Facebook Portal <laughs> is becoming Meta Portal. So different bits of the company are rebranding while other bits aren't. And I feel like right now, if you were looking at future face projects, you could kind of, you know, just throw darts at a dartboard and try and figure out which ones are going to have meta on them and which <laughs> ones aren't. Um, I, I think it seems fairly reasonable that Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp are going to be un, unmetered. Um, but I would have said the same for Oculus and Oculus yeah. has, has changed. They're going to so. be Metabook, Metagram and Meta Messenger. I'm not a fan of this, this rebrand. It's confusing. The the one kind of good bit of news on the Oculus front from that night is that they're going to take away the requirement to have a Facebook login, which mm. I think was the, the biggest complaint about the Quest 2 when it launched. Um, but it's not coming anytime soon. They said it's sometime in the next year. So Yeah. <laughs> but by that, do they surreptitiously mean it's just going to become a meta yeah, login? essentially. And they just haven't told you that <laughs> well, yet. It's like, it won't be Facebook. Yeah. It won't be Facebook. I mean, it obviously will to some extent because you'll need an account yeah. with them. Some, yeah. I guess the difference was right. before you could use an Oculus account, which mm -hmm. was obviously still owned by Facebook. But then they were like, no, it has to be a Facebook account. The challenge with that is it does tie into all the other tracking and stuff yeah. that's built into Facebook that isn't necessarily going to be tied into other stuff they do. Um, and obviously a lot of this whole move is a reflection, not that they'll really admit it, that the Facebook brand is toxic. Um, obviously that's part of moving away from the company's branding as a whole that's part of the move to say right fine we're not going to require a facebook login for oculus um all the metaverse stuff it's not all vr but a lot of it's vr related so it's clear that that's going to be the significant thing moving forward and it's a big step and a signal of intent i guess that from the get-go they're now saying yeah that's separate from facebook you don't need a facebook account to do all this metaverse stuff we want because they know that will immediately pull a lot of people off um and then the other interesting thing is just later um, I, th I think maybe it was early this week, yeah. they also announced that they were going to stop using facial recognition on Facebook and delete a load of records of, of their fa Over facial recognition billion, tech. Apparently. Yeah. Um, so this is the tech that when you add a photo to Facebook, it will immediately suggest which friends are in the photo. And so it's like, oh, that's your friend John. We know his face. And it'll you know, tag him automatically. Um, they've been doing it for years and years and years and very good at it, but obviously it's prevent created a lot of privacy concerns it's actually given them some regulatory headaches as well so they didn't announce that at the metaverse rebrand or anything but it feels like there is a genuine taking stock yeah. going on right now 100%. at meta hq where they're looking at the facebook stuff and saying if we're going to have a long-term future with meta maybe we need to trim out some of this facebook guff that's holding us back um, and yeah, deleting the facial recognition database is a bigger move than I thought they were going to make. Yeah, that was a surprise. That, that one took me really by surprise. Yeah, and they they, they kind of frame it because they just want legislation around it, apparently, because it's just you know everyone just it's, it's one of those cases where the technology is more advanced than the legislation around it. So right now, companies yeah. can basically do whatever they want with it. Um, exactly. So I think it's definitely them but, kind of trying to be, you know, standing up for the little guy against these big bad companies, you know, while they're the big bad company that's been doing it this whole time. <laughs> Facebook of all people trying to position themselves as privacy advocates <laughs> is really something. <laughs> I mean, best of luck to them if they want to uh, make that pivot, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't see it. I think the big, the big 
thing that's funny about the the event in particular, the the meta launch. I didn't watch it, but I sort of saw bits of it afterwards. Is that around the idea that they recognise Facebook as a brand is not maybe helping them in their other endeavours, and they need to separate things out a little bit and pull away from the Facebook brand. They don't seem to recognise, or rather, I should put it more clearly, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't <laughs> seem to recognise or doesn't care that he is inextricably linked with Facebook as a brand and not with Meta. Yep. And that it's no good taking the Facebook logo off stuff if you still got Zuckerberg as the face of the whole thing. And I don't know if it's ego or or a desire to be in the spotlight or, or whatever it is that means he feels the need to be front and centre through the whole presentation. But honestly, you can't help but wonder if all of that would have come down better if it was anyone other than Zuckerberg presenting it. Because Zuckerberg is Facebook. Yeah. There also wasn't a hint of irony to any of the presentation in terms of his, like, interactions with people. Yeah. Like, there, there's a kind of, like, common perception about, like, Mark Zuckerberg as a human and how he seems yeah, to interact is, is kind of odd. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they could, they, they kind of touch on it, like, really lightly with, like, a robot, like, avatar or something like this. But I was kind of hoping for, like, maybe a little more acknowledgement mm. you know watch him plug his both, finger into yeah, a socket Zuckerberg. and join the metaverse or something <laughs> sure sure <laughs> um yeah but but also the, the privacy stuff like there was there was a way to uh, i wanted more acknowledgement of the reality of the perception of the company which is what wasn't given away at all yeah. it was far too polished and kind of hermetically sealed as a little presentation yeah. they, they're gonna move away from facebook branding they clearly can tell there's a problem but they'll never acknowledge there's a problem they'll just yeah. you're, to, you're sort of reading the tea leaves kind of thing you've got to look at the stuff they do and then see like okay this gives away that they are you know moving the company in this way as they must see this about themselves but they're certainly they haven't yet taken the big step of really acknowledging that facebook has a privacy problem and kind of doing a mea culpa about it uh, and if anything, as Lewis said, this kind of pivot to deleting the facial recognition stuff and then pointing their finger at legislators like it's their fault that they were doing this all along anyway is kind of like, come on, own it. Yeah. You know, you, there's actually be more power if they, they made a big fuss of deleting and said, hey, we thought this was good, but we've realized we were wrong. Yeah. We call on Google, et cetera, to, to take the same step. And, you know, the tech industry as a whole to regulate itself better. They, they could they could PR that a lot better than they have. and. Um, no one will believe they're better on privacy until they acknowledge they're bad on privacy. Yeah. Yeah, that's 100% right? it. Yeah, exactly. And how do we feel about the extension of the meta branding into the metaverse whilst we're here? Mm. I think it's very cheeky. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fair play. They've done a really good job here, which is that they've taken a concept that isn't theirs, like the name, the word metaverse is lifted from um, uh, a sci-fi book called Snow Crash from, I think, the 90s. Mm. Um, where to be fair it's pretty dystopian it's not a good thing um, <laughs> Very so, I, I love this it's, it's the same thing as like when uh, Soylent being named after Soylent Green and it's like you look yeah. at it and like did you watch that movie when you chose your <laughs> the, product name because Soylent is not US good have a, <laughs> the US Army has a satellite program called Skynet yes as well, there is a Skynet is satellite network <laughs> Uh, unbelievable this stuff happens anyway yeah so but the metaverse is not a good concept in the fiction from which it's drawn from but anyway what's <laughs> smart about this branding move is that now facebook owns the metaverse or mm -hmm. rather meta owns the metaverse but it's a concept they kind of pulled the name from the book and said this is the name for what we're doing they were bandying it around for weeks and months ahead of this rebrand to the point that now the tech press have all said yeah metaverse is the name for this thing 
other companies are now saying, yeah, we're also playing around in the metaverse. We're building metaverse products. And then Facebook turns around and says, now you're using the word. By the way, we're called Meta. We own the metaverse. Like, <laughs> yeah. So now Microsoft has already fallen into this trap of talking about how it's building the metaverse into, into Teams next year. But it's like, well, cool. The metaverse is inextricably linked with Facebook as a brand. Like, they're basically pitching it as we're building the next internet. And by the way, our company is called Internet. Like, it's ours. <laughs> yeah, we invented it. Surprisingly neatly backed into that. Yeah, yeah. I'm amazed it's, it's worked yeah. so flawlessly and that we haven't seen more other companies come out and saying, well, we're, you know, involved in the Gigaverse. That's what we're doing. You know, it's like, or whatever <laughs> it is. Like, we, we haven't seen other, other people try and position their stuff. And maybe we will now. Maybe because Meta's come out like it has. Other companies will start to pull away from that term. Um, at least the other companies that maybe see themselves as Facebook rivals on some level might be cautious about about using it. Uh, I would say struggle to imagine. There's also talk about Apple doing XR and, and AR glasses and all this kind of stuff. I struggle to imagine Apple going on stage a year or two from now and talking about the metaverse when it's so tied to Facebook as a brand, right? I hope Apple goes for just the big Apple or something and see what <laughs> New York government does. Uh -huh. um, the funny thing about all the metaverse stuff, I guess, for me, is I, there's lots of talk about how it kind of it's a bit sad that for all this pitch that this is the future of the internet, it's the next gen of the internet, it's what's going to replace the internet as we know it, and that all they've shown off is, you know, have business meetings. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a bit sad. You know, what if you could go to the office but online? Um, more than that, though, I find it a bit odd because all that stuff already exists. So even less than the, the problem of sort of the metaverse hasn't shown me that it can do anything, you know, amazing and life changing. I also haven't really seen the strong pitch that it's is a next step rather than just, well, yeah, the Internet does all that stuff. You're pitching what it already does, but a bit better, which is fine. But it's not, you know the replacement the to the internet, internet it's just revolution. more internet yeah <laughs> it's, it's like we already have facebook already makes the product where you can go and have a vr business meeting and, and chat to a 3d avatar like that exists oculus does it they've made that for a while so i don't really know how they can then turn around and say oh the metaverse will finally unlock the ability to do this crazy stuff it's like well you already did that you and, and htc vive and other companies like you made that already it exists yeah it's it's yeah. I think they're, they're trying to frame it around like a more social experience than anything because it's it's coming in a small way to the Quest platform later this year where you can you'll be able to join each other's homes and then jump between apps all together and the whole focus for them around that was you get to talk to your friends it's more seamless and mm. I think it's just going to be that on a larger scale for the metaverse it's like well you can you know you can go to the Netflix VR whatever you want to call it metaverse thing world with all your friends and go to the cinema but yeah, it's, it's, you know, you, I think you have to build something, you have to kind of show people what it's going to be before you're going to get anyone really interested in it. Because right now, I even, you know, I sat in on this briefing beforehand, they kind of briefly explained the concept of the metaverse. And even now, I'm just like, I don't really get it. Like, you need mm. to build this thing to show people and then be like, okay, that's what we're heading for. And, you know, there, there's so much money going into it, like, not just from Facebook, but like other companies. Like, I think Epic's put like a billion into it. And then Roblox is mm. another big yep. player in it. And I just, I just, yeah, I need to see something. I need to get an idea of what it is. And I think that's what the, the Oculus Quest uh, um, or the Meta Home, should I say, the update is going to come next year, <clears throat> is going to provide on a small scale. Um, mm. 
my fear is as well as like at least over the past year if not two years now or basically since the the quest and quest 2 particularly have become like the defining vr platform for consumer mm -hmm. vr um in that time facebook's just been just quietly buying up every major yep. game developer and, and like any any successful vr experience more or less like you know um beat saber the maker of beat said beat games they bought them did they, they bought, i missed that uh the yeah, the developer of Population mm -hmm. One, which is like the battle the royale. battle royale of choice for VR. Um, yeah, they they've just been hoovering up basically the, the the cream of the crop in terms of VR developers, so that they're all going to be part of building, I mm, guess, yeah. the metaverse. There, there's funds um, specifically um, given to creators. I think even right now, like for for the Horizon Worlds mm. thing that they're building. Uh, developers and creators can get money from Facebook to go in there and just start building these worlds for when the social experience launches. So, like, they're pumping lots right. of money into this thing. Um, yeah. But with zero I mean, it's, it's one of the other things that worries me with that pitch that I guess it's like, I don't believe the pitch that this is the next gen of the internet. But if it is, I hate the idea that Facebook owns it, or even that, as Lewis said, Facebook owns a chunk of it and Epic owns another chunk of it and Roblox owns a chunk of it and Microsoft owns a chunk of it. And that, you know, I mean, there's obviously been all sorts of stuff around net neutrality bills and all of that. And I think the Internet is a long way from the totally free, open platform it, it was maybe intended to be at yeah. its inception. But still, moving genuinely into this more directly corporate-owned space where the idea of, like, yeah, cool, I want to go online. And it's, all right, I'm going to just go into the Facebook Internet. And that's it. That's what I have access to. There isn't a bit that isn't directly owned by some giant silicon valley company yeah it's it's alarming like we see all these like dystopian depictions of like you know billboards left right and center everywhere yeah. you look in virtual space when you go into like virtual reality in the movies mm. in the 80s or whatever uh and it's almost like we can't look away we can't stop ourselves from building that future and that's exactly what this looks like it could potentially be just because of the nature of the structure of ownership and as you just pointed out who's involved already mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and th there's also the aspect of, you know, th the concept of a, a VR world is that users can come in and do effectively anything. It's a free open playground. But with Facebook at the helm, I imagine it will be the antithesis of that. It will be structured in a way that benefits them more than anyone else. And the bigger players and the people with more money are going to have the most control over that space, mm -hmm. uh, just like reality. It's It's a little bit terrifying, really. I think your point about movies uh, sort of showing this stuff off is an interesting one um, because I've been thinking about this and uh, I blame Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. And to be fair, sure. I, to be clear up front, I hate Ready Player One. <laughs> so I have a bias going into this, at least the movie. I've never read the book. I'm sure I'd hate that too, though. Um, <laughs> but it's that rare thing where it shows this kind of world as fundamentally something good and joyous and fun and playful and filled with all your favorite pop culture. And, you know, Snow Crash, the book that introduced the metaverse concept, like I said, broadly dystopian. Uh, any of the, you know, William Gibson, like the Neuromancer and all that stuff, dystopian. All these other books about, like, jacking into the internet are generally like, this would be a bad thing for society. <laughs> bad, bad, not good. Don't let it happen. Uh, Ready Player One was just like, this would be great because you could hang out with Master Chief. And I'm like... <laughs> damn, you just gave them the blueprint for selling this to everyone and, like, shoveling this dystopia, like, down our throats by saying, like, yeah, cool, put enough shiny pop culture on yeah. and, wait, like, we're we're all in. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not, like, you're not to, in, I'm not 
absolutely not trying to invalidate your opinion, but just point of clarification. That story does also depict the stats and the what the reality of society outside of the VR space and how horrible it is by comparison. Yeah, and but so, that's not the takeaway from that story. No, is absolutely it, not. Right? Yeah, the takeaway especially isn't... in the especially in the yeah, movie. Okay, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, there's this is what the world looks yeah. like. But VR looks fine. exactly. It really quickly moves away from how bad it's made the actual world to just be like, but it's yes, so good yes. once you're in the VR. <laughs> Um, so like, yeah, that, that feels to me like it's sort of the equivalent of like the, the matrix obviously shows off how cool the matrix is, but it's mm. so horrible outside of the matrix. And when they show it enough that you really do come away, like, yeah, the matrix would be cool, but probably not worth being a glorified, like battery. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you don't, I don't, that wasn't my takeaway from ready player one. I was like, yeah, this is just trying to show that this is super cool and fun and, Obviously, especially because the takeaway at the end of it isn't like destroying the VR network. It's just saying like, keep this super fun tech, but have a cool dude running it so that it's better for everyone. <laughs> uh, and Zuckerberg is just trying to position himself as the cool dude who's going to run be, the metaverse. He will never be the cool dude ever in, <laughs> any, in no. any universe that he creates. But <laughs> try telling him that. He clearly thinks <laughs> thinks otherwise. Who played him in the movie, in the Facebook movie? I forget Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. I feel like they should just just quietly every now and then intercut like in just recast stuff, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, yeah, recast Mark Zuckerberg yeah, in, in real life. Yeah, yeah, effectively. I mean, they could do it if they just did all their future presentations from the metaverse <laughs> exactly. and it's a virtual representation of Zuckerberg, Maybe which we the even pitch. saw in yeah, this. Yeah, we never yeah. have to see the real Zuckerberg again because now they can just seamlessly replace him with his his metaverse avatar. Where do I sign Then up? eventually yeah. Zuckerberg dies. The avatar keeps on running the company, and no one realizes. You know, this is Black Mirror. <laughs> if this isn't a book, yeah, it will be soon. Dom's going to write it. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so so we're all excited. Yeah, Yay. I was about to say, in case you can't <laughs> tell, we love the metaverse. I, I, I'm actually surprised you're not being a bit more vocally pro, Lewis, because I know you are a big VR fan and yeah. you you, you love a lot of this. Stuff. I mean, this is the problem. Like I because like I, I use VR a lot at the moment, so I don't see a need for it at the moment. This is why I said like I need mm. to be shown what it's actually going to bring to the table. Because right now, it's easy for me to just. To, I mean, it's not the most fluid experience. I'm aware that I'm in a in a VR headset because I have to go back to a menu system and it's all you know flat 2D systems, and the idea that I could maybe virtually walk out of of a building that's a game or something like that, and then walk down the road and chat to people at the same time, that seems fun. But also, I'm I hate the social VR apps, so um, I like to be alone. <laughs> Is there a single? <laughs> have you been hit with the with the in app? Uh, ads that they were trying no. out earlier in the year. No, that, that didn't happened happen to, to me. Yeah, there was like a handful of apps and games that in like menu screens and stuff they were oh, throwing ads that. in. I hate it already. Because yeah. they're, they're yeah. the kind of things that you will be forced to watch them because they know exactly where you're looking in in VR. Exactly, yeah. They'll absolutely use the eye tracking. They like the ad only skips if you stare straight at it for 10 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> oh, God, it's coming. But yeah, no... It, that is the Black Mirror episode, yeah. like one for one, yeah. basically, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've had a question in in the comments on YouTube. That I think is worth worth addressing. It comes from Alex. Uh, Do you think Mark Zuckerberg cares more about Oculus and Metaverse than Facebook? There's a suggestion that young people are no longer joining Facebook anymore. Um, so I guess that doubles back to what we were talking about earlier, moving the brand away. But is this maybe consciously an effort to just pivot the company? And are they leaving Facebook behind them? I guess mm. is is maybe the question. Oh, that's a good question, really, yeah. I mean, the addresses, like previous connects and stuff recently and, and any other kind of things that Zuckerberg has appeared in from memory 
he only ever really mentions Facebook in the context of it as a company, not the yeah. social media network. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't really touch on that anymore. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's fully focused on building Meta, the Metaverse, and and what that is. And that's probably why he didn't want to keep using the Facebook name. Meta yeah. transcends what yeah. people associate with Facebook. So I mean, and also sense. let's not forget that Meta, you know, they they subsidize the cost of the Quest. They have did it with the original one. They're doing it with the Quest 2. And they said they're going to continue subsidizing so that they can get headsets to as many mm-hmm. people as possible. And I can't really see yeah. why they do that if that wasn't, you know, if VR and AR and Metaverse wasn't their main goal. Like they were like, they're just saying... We're getting it to everyone, Hans. We don't care. You know, the Quest 2 at 300 yeah. quid is, is really good value for money. And even when the high-end one comes out, they're saying they're going to sell it at cost. So. But it's it's worth highlighting then on that point. They're able to do that, to sell those at a loss or at cost, because Facebook, the social network, is bankrolling the operation. Oh, yeah. That is where the money is sure. coming from. Yeah. So I think there's, there's, there's a distinction here, maybe, which is, I mean, the question from Alex was, do you think Mark Zuckerberg cares more? And I think you guys are right that Zuckerberg now is interested in the metaverse. I mean, Facebook has been his thing for more than a decade now. I'm sure he's looking ahead rather than just sort of managing the, in, the details of how the social network runs. Yeah. Facebook or Meta, the company, I think still cares about Facebook, the social network, um, I equally, I suspect they are probably moving to away from it, but I think they're kind of hedging their bets. The the point in, in Alex's question about young people not joining it, there was something recently, I cannot remember whether it was a quote from an exec or, or something, but they were talking about Facebook social network strategy. And they did basically say they were consciously now going to target younger people rather, and they're building their features around younger, a uh, younger audience. So they were aware that they were losing mm. that young audience to, to TikTok, um, and, and, and other sort of rivals like that. But it doesn't sound like they're giving up on that. They haven't accepted, right, we're the old person social network. They are consciously trying to maintain a young crowd and they're going to work to get them back. Yeah. That's what I, say, they... I also imagine they recognize that's difficult. And so they're leaving both options open, right? They're yeah. going to really try to keep Facebook relevant, but maybe they're building up the rest of their product portfolio so that they have other income sources if and when that fails. Yeah, I think that's why they bought Instagram, really, because Instagram was, I mean, not, you know, before the days of TikTok, mm. Instagram was the, the young people's social youth, network. Right? Yes. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. now TikTok's here, it's kind of shifted again. Um, and yeah, you know, Facebook can want to be a young person's a young person social network, but as, you know, as, as long as young people associate with their parents and their grandparents being on there, like, well, you know, I don't want to share all my fun videos or whatever else I'm doing with my extended family. I'm going to go on TikTok where they don't understand what they're doing and I could be left alone. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the platform is defined by the user yeah. base, right? And that was the problem with Facebook. The user base got older. With the Quest, like the user base, they, they've made a product that is basically impossible to ignore. And so that's where all the people are. That's where the culture is. Mm. So they have that control to define what all of this can be. They also, I guess, in a funny way, Facebook was not the first social network, but the first one that really made the market as we know it, that dominated the space. I guess they're in a funny position where they can make Meta the Facebook of the metaverse in that they will be the first place that does this in a big, big way. That They will be the place you have to go. I think for these kinds of experience, fundamentally, most of them are going to be through Quest headsets for a long time. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, inevitably... 10, 15 years from now, it'll be like, oh, you know, only only old people use use Meta. There'll be there'll be some <laughs> yeah. you know Metaverse TikTok yeah, exactly, that's come yeah. along out of China that that all, all the then eighteen year olds are on. 
I'm curious to see what TikTok, if TikTok does anything in response to this, directly or indirectly. I, I want to know what, t- what TikTok's going to do to evolve. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> it hasn't really as a platform, like beyond just expanding. And I think it, it, doing the, the magic stuff. of TikTok is, is not even the app, it's just the algorithm. That thing knows way too much about it's, you. And it, it gets yeah. scarily accurate sometimes. <laughs> and I think that's the only thing that <laughs> makes I've, that I've social network, because Instagram's algorithms are terrible. Yeah, I think I've reached the threshold with the TikTok algorithm now because all it really shows me is cat TikToks and music TikToks. And that's kind of it. Uh, I don't get anything political. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't get any like sports it's crazy or, how or like, much... mainstream entertainment. It's just like... That's why it differs it so much depending on who you speak to about TikTok and what they see and the kind of things I get sent yeah. by my friends. And I'm like, I have never seen anything like this on my homepage. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on. I think we spent enough time dwelling yeah. over the metaverse. Um, I suspect this is something we're going to end up coming back to in the future when we get actual Definitely. meaningful announcements on what it looks like, real bits of software or, or hardware. Um, I can't remember if you mentioned earlier, but they did tease that they have a high-end VR headset on the way that will not have an Oculus logo on it. It will be a meta-branded headset this of some sort. Cambria? Yeah, Cambria. Project Cambria. Called? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who knows one episode will be in the metaverse doing a fast oh, exactly. episode yeah. um, I bloody hope not to be honest <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's move on uh, to the Galaxy S21 FE an actual phone they're fun um, this is obviously a Samsung flagship device we had the S20 FE last year the S21 FE is delayed we probably should have had it by now it was for a while tipped to launch in August, then it was tipped to launch in October, which would have actually been a year on from the S20 version, so it would have made some sense. Uh, it's now tipped to launch in January. The latest rumours peg it is early January. There's a bit of conflict as to whether that's January 11th or during the CES trade show in Vegas, which is January 5th through 8th. But either way, everyone now seems to think that first two-week period of the new year, we're going to see this phone. Um, that is almost exactly a year after the S21 series launched, which is kind of laughable. I remember when the S20 FE launched, the big question we all had was, why is this coming nine months yeah. after mm. after the first set of S20 phones? You know, there's, there's the gap's too long. It's too close to the S21s. Uh, they've managed to make this problem worse for themselves this time around. Obviously not helped by the chip shortage and by coronavirus and all this stuff. It's not wholly Samsung's fault. But uh, yeah, this is now going to be launching a year after the S21 phones and a month before the S22, maybe not even a full month before. Uh, The S22s had also been tipped to launch in January of next year. Uh, And now that the S21 FE is going to be there, the S22s have been delayed to either early February or even late January depending on who you believe. Uh, so if you go by the, some sets of leaks, you could imagine a three-week gap between the last <laughs> S21 phone and the first S22 phone. It's almost a, a sort of a reset, because if you roll back the clock a little bit further, we had the S10 Lite at CES 2019. Yes, I think, I think you the might be right. The we were at. Yeah. Um, uh, and that was only what, I can't remember when the S10 series launched, but it wasn't as early as January or February, I don't think, of 2018. It was it was a little bit later. So it's almost like that again, mm. not quite, but it's, yeah, we've gone back to this weird overstepping of the number. Yeah, the blurring together a little bit. I do find it funny because it sort of fails at the pitch of what the line is, which is, it's FE is meant to stand for fan edition and it's for the really, you know, yeah. passionate 
it's a little bit more affordable but a bit more spec focused and it's for passionate galaxy fans but more colors usually. yeah but it then seems odd to have that and be immediately like, well, the passionate fans know that the next phone exactly. is two weeks away. Exactly. <laughs> so they're not going to buy this one. Now, who is it they for? they know there's another one around the corner. Um, so I don't really understand. Anyway, yes, yeah, so this is a slightly cheaper take on the S20 series. Uh, sorry, the S21 series. Um, as Tori said, more colour is what they went for last time. It looks like we're getting the same this time. They're actually not as many colours as the previous mm. FE series, which I think had six different finishes um it looks like we are getting four this time around a white black and then a kind of olive green and a lavender purple um they are all going to be there's also been some shots of a dark blue one but that seems to sort of dropped away from the leaks so either that's been killed off or maybe it will turn up further down the line we don't know i think obviously it's also worth flagging they may end up doing a bespoke edition kind of thing here like they just did with the the flip um, I'm still expecting that for the S22 as well. I think for a lot of their big phones, they're going to start doing these these customizable colors. It really makes sense for their brand. Um, but yeah, so these four colors, we've seen this in a lot of leaks. I, I don't want to lie. We've had leaks of the design of this phone since I'm looking at an, an Evan Blast leak in June of this year with yeah. um, pretty much final looking designs that even look like they might be official Samsung imagery. Um, I mean, it all, it all implies that they were ready or planning on bringing this phone to market way yeah. sooner than yeah. now, like because of the leak window and how much and what was leaked. Everything we've seen suggests this phone is finished; it's done. They just can't build enough of them yeah. or ship them yeah. around the world, uh, and that's all that the delay has been. The, the phone has been designed for a long time and probably locked in for a long time. It's just been making the things. Um, part of the 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 one of the leaks has come up this week uh, i think just worth this worth discussing because it's so strange and it's the reason we are now locked in on knowing those four colors and we're pretty confident those are the colors um it is because people have spotted that you can go and buy the backplate component of the phone <laughs> so this is for sort of you know aftermarket repair stuff it's you know for those companies that are repairing damaged s21 fe's they buy a load of backplates to put them on people's phones when they come in for repairs but those are already available to buy even mm -hmm. though the phone hasn't been announced yet uh, and they are able to buy in white purple green and black um, there is a video doing the rounds on youtube um, which claims to be a hands-on of the phone this is titled as a hands-on they are open at the beginning I, i'm not a big fan of the approach i think it's a bit clickbaity but what they've done is bought one of these backplates and put it on i think it's a, a regular s10 um to kind of show off what it might look like in in the flesh um which is a little cheeky but i it, it's interesting it does kind of show you what, what roughly what this phone will look like uh but yeah i i love that this pipeline and supply chain stuff has gone so cosmically wrong for samsung <laughs> um the fact that you can buy repair parts before the phone not even before it's out but before it officially exists it, and and these these back panels are apparently glass stick as well, so it's like same as the S twenty one standard. Yes, yeah. If, if is that right? Yeah. Which is, I mean, I I picked up the S twenty one the other day, and I was like, I did forget just how not not premium that feels. It, it's not a good finish. Like yeah. it looks nice, but yeah, it just doesn't feel right. It was inevitable. I mean, there was no way this yeah. was going to be more premium than the actual S twenty one. Yeah, I guess the, the S20 FE wasn't really fixing stuff from the S20, was it? It was just trying to give it a different spin for it's less. A, like, a cheaper yeah. remix of the phone, essentially, just kind of being yeah. like the core concept yeah. the same, tweak a couple parts, <clears throat> drop the price a bit. 
Um, yeah, so I, I think anyone... I've seen a lot of people disappointed at the revelation that it's a plastic back, and I am a bit like, well, of course it is. It's... <laughs> The, the S21's plastic. This wasn't going to be more fancy than that because it would undercut, especially because the S22 is probably also plastic. And if, you know, a month a month later or less than a month later, it launches and looks less premium than the cheaper phone they launched three weeks before, <laughs> they're, they're going to be in trouble. Um, I do like the look of it. I think, to be fair, it, it's done the, um, the single colour, the monochromatic finish that they've been doing on some of the A-series that I actually exactly, really, yeah. really like, and I wish they would do on the proper flagships. And actually, a couple of the renders of the S22 suggest they might be moving that way for next series, but we're not sure. But this is so basically the camera module is the same color as the whole back of the phone, as opposed to those contrasting metallic camera modules that we saw on the actual flagship S21s. Uh, and I really like the look of it. I really like the way the, the camera module kind of seamlessly blends in even though it's obviously a bit elevated from the rest of the phone and you just have the actual mm. individual lenses as the black cutouts um I, th I think ever since the first a series that did that earlier this earlier this year i think um I i've loved the look of those phones yeah for sure yeah i was updating some articles earlier today and i was looking back again at the a52s yes. which is like the latest of that line and yeah it, it's really nice and the colors also definitely overlap too like that kind of pastel mm -hmm tones like a lot less vibrant than the s20 fe which i think has like a solid red option and, yes. and maybe a yellow one as well yeah these have definitely gone less vibrant uh much more muted mm. which is an interesting move i'm actually a little surprised in in some ways about the the, the set of colors they've chosen because at least from the renders we've seen they look very muted and very pastely um and i was kind of expecting colors a little more in line with what we saw on the z flip 3 which is their last big colorful phone you know yeah, it's like the only really colourful device they offer in terms of like exterior. It's interesting that that's what they've gone with. I mean, I've always pushed the Flip 3's design like as like its big highlight, obviously. Mm. But the fact that that's the only one that actually you also get the option of like a real nice colour selection. Yeah, does seem odd. Um, this is this feels like an odd pivot when, as you said, last year the S20 FE was all about a colour range. This time there are four yeah. colours and two of them are white and black, so it doesn't feel like that's in the case but obviously you have to wonder if that's because they have sales figures that showed everyone just bought the white and black ones anyway yeah. um so i suspect that is often the case with colorful phones it probably looks great in marketing to have them available but then everyone just buys the black model anyway um yeah. but yeah otherwise this is pretty standard specs in terms of what you'd expect it is going to get the qualcomm snapdragon 888 that will be a bit funny because it means it will be coming out with that chip after the successor has been announced because yeah, <laughs> we're going to get that at the end of this month beginning of next month um so that's again one of these knock-on effects because of the delayed launch but there you go uh, there will also be an exynos version it looks like an exynos 2100 version of the phone again this is probably a just chip shortage thing they probably just couldn't do enough of them in 888 so they had to do some in exynos i know that will disappoint some people though because the s20 fe was popular in part because it was the only S-series phone you could get with a, a Snapdragon chipset in every country. Yeah. And uh, that yeah, is not being repeated. level or equivalent. Exactly. Yeah. So for people who don't like Exynos chips in their phones, it held an appeal there, and that is going away. Though we don't know what the, the split of Exynos Snapdragon will be. Um, otherwise, yeah, I think the other thing is the camera setup looks like it's going to get um, a pretty decent jump. We are getting... A triple camera on the rear. The latest leaks point to a 32 megapixel main lens. 
and then 12 megapixel ultrawide and 8 megapixel telephoto. Uh, what's interesting is that is an optical telephoto with three times zoom, um, huh. which is something that they don't always put on the actual flagship phones. The S. I would love to side by side that with the S21. That would be yeah, exactly. To see just which is the superior way. I would imagine that optical zoom is just going to be better. You would have thought so. So yeah, the S21 doesn't have mm. optical zoom. It just has a, the zoom sensor is just a really high megapixel sensor. It crops in on digitally, um, which has always felt a bit cheeky. Uh, but yeah, so the, this, um, I think it should impress. I think, yeah, the challenge they're going to have is just release timing because this is coming out so close to the next gen of flagships. And the problem is, we talk about the S22, and sure, that's one of the problems that it will launch just before the S22 does. But equally, outside of the US at least, it will be being announced probably after the Xiaomi 12 gets announced. Because uh, everyone's mm. saying that's coming in December, maybe early January. So they'll probably, Xiaomi's probably going to beat Samsung to the punch here. And that will have the new Snapdragon. Um, I think uh, Lenovo and Motorola have already said there that that. that there's going to be at least one flagship from them with the new Snapdragon in before the end of this year. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see a flagship from them really quickly using the new hardware. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Oppo at least teases something using that new silicon as well. So this probably won't hurt them too much in the US where fundamentally it's just, are you buying an iPhone or a Samsung? And, and this should be a competitively priced Samsung with good specs and I imagine it will sell very well. But in the rest of the world, it's going to very quickly look like Altec. Uh, even by the time it's announced. Well, I was trying to think, I trying to remember what the price difference was between the S20 and the S20 FE. It was like a 15, 20% cheaper starting price. Does that sound right to it you? It was something like that. But then it also had that weird problem that you have, which again, was part of the problem with the delayed launch and I thought they were going to try and <clears> fix, is yes, the <clears> FE <throat> ran cheaper at launch, but it launched nine months later than the original, which meant that had dropped in price. <laughs> so actually, yes. going by official price, it was a, 15, 20% drop or something, going by actually go on Amazon and search for both phones, they were about the same price. (laughs) So you kind of, unless you really cared about the Snapdragon or something, it did kind of still make more sense to go buy the original flagship because it had stronger camera specs and stuff like that, more premium build, and had dropped to functionally the same price. That's going to be even more the case now. By the time this launches, there's a real risk that you'll be able to buy an actual S21 for less than the price of the FE version. Exactly. I was, that's kind of what I was leading towards, is that you, they can't use the same math. No. Maths, excuse me, to like, yeah, to price this this FE, because it just it won't make sense at the time it's coming out. So it's got to be half the price, launch price of the S21, yeah. I guess, to be like a worthwhile buy, which seems just pointless at that point, And it would definitely encroach on the a series yeah and they can't do that with the price of this thing with the specs it has they're not going to manage to do that because they'll be running them at a loss i yeah the whole thing has gone so wrong i mean there were there were a lot of reports for a while that they were going to cancel the entire launch um and it does seriously look like they at least considered that internally so i i feel like clearly they were aware a good idea to be honest (laughs) with how this is all going (laughs) Yeah, this is kind of Samsung's Huawei P50 at this point, uh, yes. like on an international level. That's the only phone that's going to be more delayed. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I do wonder if we're actually what it is is it is going to launch, but it's going to be a very limited launch, um, which either in terms of units or actually just in terms of markets. So it maybe they turn around mm. and they say, yeah, this is launching in Korea and the US. Yeah, and like that's it. 
or yeah. something like that. And I don't know what their, you know, their biggest key markets are for them, but I, I could believe they just hit certain areas, launch it there, don't do the whole world because at that point, you know, is is it is it even worth it in in going for a really really big push on this phone? While last year they could still get away with doing four G and five G variants of like like of certain devices, like this year mid range and up for Samsung is five G now, pretty much. Yes, and I think this is going to be five G um, only. Yeah, yeah. Or if it isn't, if I mean, okay, oh no, there's an integrated modem, isn't it on the on the eight eighty eight? Unless they're using that four G four G version that we've read yeah. about then that would be a good reason to throw it to those markets that 5G just isn't established yet if that's cheaper for them to make. But this is all just like guesswork. At this yeah, point. so the 888 has integrated 5G, so it is by default sold with 5G. 5G there is a 4G yeah. version specially for Huawei. <laughs> uh, I actually don't <laughs> know much. how they... I assume what they do is they are just... There is some software lock on the modem, essentially. It's I, I assume the, the modem is still in there. Nail. Yeah, maybe just flipping them off. But no, I, yeah. I assume hardware-wise, though, they're the exact same piece of silicon. There's just a software lock on the modem that, that you know, Huawei yeah. can't get around. Um, yeah, but as far as we know, only, only Huawei's ever bought those, and, and they probably only want to sell them to Huawei. I imagine from Qualcomm's mm. perspective, they'd rather sell the 5G version, and they sell, sell that one to Huawei, because otherwise they can't sell Huawei anything. Yeah. But I, I can't see why they'd offer Samsung the choice of a 4G version. Uh, but yes yeah. so we will revisit this in January probably um, I think the CES launch to me sounds very likely for this I think the idea of them launching it three days after CES sounds pretty unlikely to me but there may have been some some confusion maybe that will be the on sale day or something or the, pre the day pre-orders open after it launches at CES which again is the 5th to the 8th of January particularly makes sense because almost no one else announces phones there so I think they could, there are obviously going to be a lot of tech announcements at CES, but I think from a phone space, there won't be very many and they will be, this will almost certainly be the biggest phone announcement at the show. So it seems to me very likely that that's what they are, they are going for now. Um, though that does slightly contradict the go for a small launch and a limited number <laughs> plan to launch at the world's biggest <laughs> yeah. tech event. But, uh, you know, I've given up predicting what Samsung's really trying to do with this phone because <laughs> it's clearly gone so wrong for them. I'm not even sure they know yeah, what they're no. doing anymore. They're just trying to get it out the door and be done with it. Pretty much. Right. Uh, let's move on to our third and final topic for today, which is Netflix. Uh, Netflix has finally launched the games that it long ago promised it would launch. Um, these are integrated into the Netflix app. It's not a separate experience. It's not a separate payment. If you are a Netflix subscriber, you get access to these games uh, built into your payment. They are currently Android exclusive. Um, so there's nothing on iOS yet. They do say they are coming to iOS. We don't know when um, and we don't know why it's not on iOS at launch, but you could obviously speculate around the kind of issues that Google and Microsoft faced with their cloud gaming services, trying to get them onto iPhones. Um, we also don't know if they're ever or when they're going to build these, say, into smart TV Netflix apps or the web browser version that you access through your PC or anything like that. Uh, but for now, it's just Android devices. Uh, so there are five games at launch. And I think, yeah, five, they've, they've gone big. Um, 
I think what's these the choice of games is kind of revealing and interesting. Uh, and it says a lot about what Netflix is going for here. It also, yeah, the particular five they've got, and the fact that it's only five does make me wonder why on earth they've launched it now. <laughs> but there are two Stranger Things games. So that's your first thing. Two <laughs> games based on maybe their biggest, certainly one of their biggest original fully Netflix-owned properties. Also one that's got kind of geeky ties, so it makes sense to do tie-ins with games and all of that kind of stuff. So that makes a lot of sense, that they will do games based on Netflix properties. Expect to see more of this. Squid Game, obviously inevitable. Uh, it must be in the works. There will be there will be more, for sure. Uh, the thing to caveat here, though, is these are not new games. Oh. Uh, these are Stranger Things 1984 and Stranger Things 3. It's the only second game they made, but it's 3 because it was the third season of the show. <laughs> But anyway, these are games that were released to tie in with seasons of the show dropping in the past. Mm. So these were games that were previously sold separately, and I believe still are. I think if you you know, went on Steam, you could go and still buy these games for PC, and I, I think they went on a couple other platforms too. Um, they're just now also thrown into the Netflix app uh, for free to subscribers. So they haven't built any new Stranger Things games. These are both pre-existing games you might already even own. Um, they're just now in the Netflix app. But they're also game games. These are proper games. Um, they're not, you know, AAA, high-budget, expansive things, but they are sort of involved narrative games with, you know, the, I think they're both kind of pixel art kind of experiences. 2D games I've not yeah. played either, but they're, they're very recognisably that kind of gamer game. The other three games are called Shooting Hoops, Card Blast, and Teeter Up. Uh, they are not based on Netflix shows. Don't worry if you are racking your brain for uh, which season of Shooting Hoops we're on now. Love Teeter Up. <laughs> um, these are all super casual game experiences. Um, they are that kind of... The kind of thing people think about when they think of a bad mobile game. I mean, and I haven't played any of these, so I'm not saying they are bad to play. They might be very fun. But it's that kind of super casual thing that a lot of people like to deride as not real games, whatever. I mean, they are games. It's cool. But it's a very different kind of experience. So this is these, in a way, interest me more. They're not tied to Netflix properties. They've got nothing to do with anything else on the Netflix platform. They're just super casual gaming experiences that you might otherwise get through the Play Store. And this is kind of telling because this is just Netflix saying, right, you're already doing this stuff on your phone. We just want you to do it on your phone in our app. And we don't care that there's no brand tied to it. We just want you in our app. We just want your data. Doing stuff in the Netflix app. Stay in our app. Don't leave the app. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, it's also worth saying they didn't make these games either, or at least not newly for this. None mm. of these three games... As far as I can tell, they didn't get proper launches before, but say, uh, I think Card Blast, you can go and download a prototype from the devs' website. They had a prototype available three years ago, or two, two or three years ago. Um, Shooting Hoops and Teeter Up also had some availability before now, and have now kind of been pulled and just put in Netflix. So um, that's not some big controversy or scandal or anything, but it's just a flag. Again, these are not newly built games. Netflix hasn't just made three games. All it's done is buy three games so, and the rights to publish so all them. it is right now is basically just a proof of concept they just wanted to see exactly. that something we can do this are people interested like that's kind of the yes. vibe i'm getting because you know the and amount of money like. that netflix has and the amount of money it throws into some of these series and some of them aren't even that good like i'm sure netflix could chuck a good few mil and make a decent game if they wanted to but i think yeah they've got they've got to make sure the people want it first 
Mm-hmm. And to be fair, they they almost certainly already are. I bet there is, you know, there is there is money somewhere in game development right now with Netflix tied to it. They're just not announcing what. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this feels yeah. at the very least like it's um, a to get user engagement figures, but b just a tech demo. They need to make sure this works before they drop their splashy. I mean, let's be blunt; it's probably going to be a Stranger Things season four game. Yeah. Is most likely what the first big one is going to be. be a Black I assume game. they're building one yeah. of those. They want to drop it. It will only be on Netflix through the app. That will be the only way to play it, and they want to make sure it works <laughs> before oh, yeah. they do that. Would be my guess. The thing that's surprising me is the the means of distribution as well. Like this isn't a like you mentioned about it maybe coming to TVs down the line. Like that makes sense, right? Because that's where their app is. But right now, this is not. You know, when we first heard about Netflix maybe getting into games, the immediate comparisons because it's a streaming service were Xbox Cloud yep. Gaming and Stadia, yep. Google Stadia. And yet, these initial five games, the way it works is it's more like when you download a show for offline viewing you have to download the game to your phone so it's effectively just behaving like its own app store on your android device and running locally so there's no streaming happening at all except for just downloading the files to play the game in the first place so yeah the (laughs) the restrictions that that would place on subsequent games and the kinds of games they want to make and release it's it's all then defined by the ecosystem the device on which you're playing using these games and suddenly they can't do any demanding games or too demanding because a lot of people are going to have the netflix app on their you know budget android device from three years ago sure uh, and it will not play anything demanding but it is these are locally downloaded games and they don't i'm sure netflix does not want to get into the mess where it's like well yeah you've got the netflix app and the netflix app runs on your android phone and yeah on this android device you can play this game but on this one you can't like obviously not they just want it to just work um but yeah they they i surprised it's not cloud-based because yeah. and we, we knew that already because there had mm. been a tech demo of this in i think poland where it was the Stranger Things right. games, just those two, I think. Um, but yeah, it's so strange to me that they've gone for this locally based gameplay approach, and surely they will switch to cloud based at they've some got point. To. They've got, got to, to. Right? yeah. But I don't understand why you'd ever launch a version of it that's not cloud based because you're already it's like, behind. It's, like it's already backwards. Blockbusters There's cloud now, gaming like, already. Okay, physical, you know, physical DVD sales yeah. are back. <laughs> okay, this is what we're gonna do. And it's just like, no, that's not it's how like, this is working. <laughs> I can open the Game Pass app as a Game Pass subscriber and and play the new Forza game on my phone through cloud gaming. But if I go to the Netflix app, I have to like actually download Card Blast to play (laughs) running on my local device. Like no one has to download Card Blast, but it's okay. (laughs) But that's the thing because Netflix, you know, the whole you know Netflix were you know the first big streaming service. They were the one that kind of brought everyone yeah. else into this game in the first place. So the fact that they're now like they, they built this wretched world that we're all literally. Trapped in. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, I need to hop over to the main. <laughs> no, I don't. I definitely don't. But yeah, of all the companies uh, to do this and not do it cloud-based, it's uh, fascinating. Yeah, and not make it a streaming y- first. It's yeah, and you'd think you know, and they've got the streaming tech, and and obviously the other funny thing is you. I, I think one of you mentioned Black Mirror earlier in, in terms of a Black Mirror game. And yeah. They did the interactive Black Mirror Bandersnatch, mm-hmm. and they also did uh, an interactive mm. Minecraft series and some stuff like that. Oh, but yeah. They've done those. Those are cloud-based, and I know they're not full video games, but they are obviously using them partly to test how do we do streaming interactive content? Yeah. How do we make that work? Can we, can we do it? Do we have the server set up to handle that? And the answer was yes, they did. On that simple level, they could make it work. So I'm really fascinated that 
years on from that, they're now not ready to do actual cloud gaming. And I'm sure the server tech is in many ways very, very different. But, but like, it's not a yeah, new concept. I'm just it's amazed not... they haven't built to that point. Yeah. Other companies do it. Literally. You can just pay for Amazon servers to do it for you. That's, you know, um, whole thing's very like strange. PlayStation now, as bad as it is, has been available in cloud form for years at this point. Yes. Like, come We've on. We've had rubbish PlayStation now streaming forever. <laughs> Netflix could surely at least match that. I cannot imagine. That like teeter up and shooting hip hoops are more demanding for cloud-based play than like the the PS4 games you can play in PlayStation Now or the PS3 titles at least. Uh, it's like we just can't break 60 <laughs> FPS on the hoops, <laughs> damn it. Um, I, I I'm also curious about the 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 pricing model that this is going to kind of breathe because mm. right now obviously it's just that because they're testing it they're like it's just there if you have it on your phone you buy Netflix it. great data for them. <laughs> yep. Yeah, um, unlike all the streaming content, which like I don't know, I don't, I can't imagine there's any one user who everything on Netflix is for them, right? <laughs> yeah. That just isn't realistic. I could totally see a bunch of users who don't want any games on their video and movie, mm. their, their movie and TV series yeah, streaming service. Uh, whether it's because they don't want their kids like playing games, they just want to spend like watching content, or yeah, yeah or they. Um, uh, they just know they won't ever use that aspect of it. And if that has any effect on the price as it stands, or there's no option to buy a game-free yeah. version of Netflix versus a game-laden version of Netflix, that could be an issue. I think. Is one, one quick point on that, because of the comment about kids. Um, as it sounds right now, this is not available on kids' profiles. Okay. Um, so you have to use the parental control pin to access um games if you if you have kids accounts set up and that kind of thing so they have it interestingly even though it's nothing to do with you know the age rating of these games they have just bluntly being like no, no by default kids can't access yeah. games which i think is actually quite smart because i think that will immediately be a worry of people feeling that they want to leave their kid you know parents who for whatever reason feel happier leaving their kid watching net watching tv than playing a game feel like they want to be able to trust that they leave them with netflix and they're just watching tv not playing a game um yeah, there's, there's the payment thing is funny, especially because Netflix does already have pricing tiers, of course. Yeah. Um, it has, you know, family yeah. plans, but it also has the 4K plan. So you pay extra to get access to 4K stuff. I'm intrigued that from the get-go, they've put these games in on every pricing tier rather than I wouldn't have been shocked if they said, hey, this is for our 4K customers. Yeah. You know, if you're on Netflix Elite already, you, you're getting games for free now um, and just throw it in as one of the extra pluses as a reason to upgrade. Um, I have to wonder if that's what we'll see eventually. Maybe that's the way they'll handle yeah, some of the cloud be. stuff that you have to pay extra. You know, it puts the cloud, the streaming games are on a higher tier, whereas the locally played ones are on a lower price in tiers. Maybe eventually they will just scrap these from the free tier and well, not the free tier, sorry, the cheap tier and 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 move them up to a higher tier. I don't know. I mean, maybe that was part of the problem. They felt that with only these five games and. You know, three of them are casual titles. Two of them are already available. Maybe they felt <laughs> like they couldn't drop these on a higher pricing no. tier without people immediately saying, "Hey, this is bad value." Um, whereas yeah. by doing it like this, no one can make that complaint for now, at least. Um, the flip side is they Stay can't nice. change it without everyone complaining that Netflix has taken away the games they used to get yep. bundled in. You know, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, Stadia's delineation is price, like for quality. Yes. So you stream at a better quality with better audio if you pay. Yeah, more and of course they could easily do that given they've already got the um, 4K as an extra tier. So they could certainly exactly. set, set something up that way. But yeah, they're, they're 
going to have to figure that out because I cannot see them throwing all the games in on, on the cheap tier. Um, but equally, I cannot see them sticking entirely with local play and downloaded games no. in the long run. It limits them from ever, ever doing serious, well, not serious games, but big, big AAA games. titles yeah. if they want to get there. Um, they could never do that on this model. So it mm. certainly shuts down the kind of games they're able to do. But maybe they never want to do that, you know? The fact that three of these are casual titles and the other two are just sort of simple 2D things suggests maybe they are only ever going to pivot towards you know, mainstream gaming experiences in the way Nintendo did with the Wii, kind of family stuff and more accessible stuff. And, you know, for people who don't want to buy a PS5, you know, well, you get some games in your Netflix account and they're simple stuff that are fun enough and, you know, um, they may just see themselves as they only want to do the kind of games people are already playing on their phones yeah hard to say um they've still been very quiet about anything else they're working on which i find interesting there have Mm. been no announcements of projects that i'm aware of specific titles they're working on developers they're working with anything like that if anything out there has been announced like that i've certainly missed it so we've got a lot more questions than answers um which is one of those, yeah, again, one of the many ways this launch feels a little bit odd because you'd think they'd want it to be a compelling so, vision yeah. of what Netflix gaming means in the future and instead everyone's shrugging and going, I don't know what Netflix gaming is. I don't know what Netflix is doing with games. No. I don't know why. I don't know who for. I don't know what to expect in the future. Yeah, You need to come bit with a, with a big offering or at least tell people what you're going to aim for. Tell people what the future offering is. Yeah. Drop these five with a teaser of the next Stranger Things yeah. game. To reveal that the next one is bigger yeah, and better yeah. than these two and it's coming exclusively to Netflix in three months or whatever it is, you know. Um, that would be the way I would approach this. But okay. maybe the fact they don't have that says it's going to be a long time not before <laughs> they have their own, you know, new new exclusives. Yeah. Uh, we saw Google struggle with that hugely with Stadia, obviously. Uh, that content library just never took off in the slightest. Um and we've seen Amazon struggle with moving into gaming as well. So I do wonder whether Netflix is going to fall at the same hurdle, which is that a lot of tech companies and non-gaming companies just think they can throw a load of money at Literally the games industry say, yeah, and come away think, you know. dominant. And for whatever reason, that has been proven incorrect every time so far, except Sony and Microsoft going way back, which obviously were both yeah. taking that approach when they respectively entered the markets. But that was decades ago. Um, I don't think that's a model you can repeat right now. It just doesn't feel the same. I'd love. I just. I'd, I'm so curious to know what goes on in these internal meetings. But you know, with these massive budget, hundreds of millions or whatever it is that you can spend on it, what what could go wrong? <laughs> you know, the famous last words. <laughs> I don't know. Well, bizarre. Uh, I. This is another topic. I feel like we're going to end up coming back to the next time we get a better sense of what this is. Yeah. We get sort of more games announced. We get the first chance to see something really exclusive to Netflix rather than these five titles that to some extent or another have been around before. Um, so I'm, I'm confident we're going to revisit. So do jump in the comments on YouTube and let us know if you have any thoughts about this or questions or opinions on where this is going and what you want to see from Netflix games. Uh, that will do us for this week. We'll be back same time, same place next week for more techie fun. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to be able to talk about next week. Um, I don't know if OnePlus would have announced whatever they're announcing by then, so we might know whatever this OnePlus limited edition is. 
I'm honestly not sure. I, I said, I said, I, I do know what are. it is, but I cannot remember what date they're announcing it. So I genuinely do not know if we're talking <laughs> about it next week or not. Uh, well, the the OnePlus Nord Instagram account is definitely teasing something very much related. Uh, if you look, so there's already something uh, interesting. On there, okay, which might my, be a clue. my little my little card does not say Nord on say? it. Ooh. So, ah, well, you already know more than me. Uh, okay, we will be back soon. Thank you to everyone for watching and listening. And if you're on YouTube, remember to like and subscribe. See you guys soon. Bye.